So during this season of Lent, we do our best to slow down, to make space, to reflect, and ponder our spiritual lives, the ways in which we are living out our faith in the world. And we sometimes talk about this in ways of maybe adding disciplines or fasting from certain habits or particular postures that we might take. And as we look at today's text, I'm particularly interested in the way that Jesus, in the posture that Jesus takes. He puts himself between humanity and the harms and the evils of this world. And I just wonder if there is something that we might glean as individuals and as a community from the lament and vulnerability and complete trust in the will of God that Jesus shows in the image of a mothering hen. So let us turn to today's text from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Hear now the word of God. At that very hour, some Pharisees came to him and said, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of God. Thanks be to God. A friend of ours gave us a book of fables for our boys some time ago, and from time to time when I go in their bedroom, I sometimes pick it up and have noticed there are an awful lot of stories about foxes. And they always seem cunning and sly, scornful and calculated, self-serving and manipulative. And I, as I read the, this week's text, I thought about this one story that was actually also of a hen and a fox. And the hen had just landed in a tree and was settling in for the night. And out of the corner of her eye, she saw a fox within sight. The fox ran to the hen and said, have you heard the wonderful news? What news, says the hen. And a feeling arose in the hen warning her not to trust the fox. The fox says, your family and mine and all other animals have agreed to forget their differences, live in peace and friendship from now on forever. Just think of it. I simply cannot wait to embrace you. Do come down, dear friend, and let us celebrate the joyful event together. Well, the hen followed her intuition and avoided the fox in his cunning ploy. Given the characters in this story, we can all see what is happening from a mile away. A seemingly kind gesture, a generous sentiment, an idea, ideal situation 
covering up self-serving motives. You may have found yourself on the end of the hen's end of this kind of situation before or have watched others fall prey to these false promises. Walter Brueggemann writes that Lent is a time for learning how to listen to the voices of truth and seduction and decide how to adjudicate them, to hear better the true voice of assurance and to quickly notice the seductive voice of unfaith. Untruths and temptations the world claims it can give us, destructive measures offered as a gesture of civility with extraordinary concern for our interest. They are intended and packaged to draw us in, but no matter how shiny and perfectly wrapped, no matter how much is promised, we are called to listen diligently and work to unveil and expose what hides beneath. To hear and experience the truth of the gospel, which flies in the face of power structures, we begin to see more clearly the upside-down reign of the kingdom of God. The gospel in the season of Lent, it challenges our assumptions that we are doing it right and it stands to discomfort us. And the challenge is to stay in that space long enough to recognize the incongruencies and change our ways, or to speak up, leave changed, renewed, or transformed. Brueggemann also writes, we begin our journey knowing we will want to ease off and not take the risk. We find Jesus teaching and healing and moving ever closer to Jerusalem. He is becoming more of a nuisance for Herod and Rome and the Pharisees, telling people that he is the Son of God, coming to save the least of these, and standing against the oppressive powers of the world. And we aren't told why the Pharisees come to warn Jesus about Herod. Were they truly concerned for his well-being? Were they lying to him so he would leave Galilee? Or had they actually overheard Herod? We don't know, but what we do know is Jesus could see what that fox was up to from miles and miles away. Jesus could see what Herod was up to, what the Pharisees were up to, and in a prophetic word, how his life would end at the hands of those in Jerusalem. And in the face of all that, Jesus does not call himself a lion or a leopard or a bear or a eagle. Jesus chooses to compare himself to a mothering hen. In the face of destruction and fear and violence and war and oppression, Jesus likens himself to a maternal hen, nurturing and loving. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have desired to gather your children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. There is a lot to unpack in today's text, and I think Jesus' posture is worth noting and may have some insight and understanding in our season of Lent. We see Jesus lamenting. God lamenting, and we too are invited to lament. 
we have this image of Jesus as a mother hen stretching out her wings to protect and comfort her chicks who are nowhere to be found. She is left grieving and heartbroken over the loss of her children to the ways of this world and over the promise and hope of what could have been and what could be. As her wings hover over in emptiness, the chaos, sinfulness, we are reminded of our nurturing and creating God who also brooded in the beginning. Over the unending deep and dark void, God hovered over the absence of light, contemplating and hoping in its goodness that would come. Jesus, too, laments over the injustice, those things that have stolen his children's hearts, lamenting what could be while at the same time hoping in the goodness that is to be created. Jerusalem was lost. The children of God were lost. How often I desired to gather you. See, God knows the depths of this cry and suffering, and we too are invited to express our grief and our sorrow that has been felt in this lifetime. For the things hoped and waited for that never came to fruition, for the loss of loved ones, of hopes, of dreams, for all the evil and suffering and inequity in the world, for wars that are raging, for those who don't have access to daily resources, for our own actions and inactions, all of that is on the table. And this is not to shame in any way, but to reconcile and renew and redeem. And if we know anything about the gospel, it's that God and Jesus know this pain, that God is right there in the mess with us. And as pa Parker Palmer writes, God has the same unfulfilled yearnings that make our heart ache. I was listening to a podcast recently, and author Taylor Harris commented that humanity is really good at the acute things, the emergent things that need fixing and comparing that to the moments of liminality. When one must sit in the space between and try not to immediately fix the situation. Parker Palmer writes about a friend that walked with him during his time of depression. He says that he didn't try to offer the perfect words or a quick fix. They, they simply showed up every day in the same way. And that's hard. It requires us to be vulnerable to ourselves and to others. So secondly, Lent asks us to embrace the vulnerability of Jesus and ultimately to be vulnerable ourselves. When Jesus calls Herod a fox, he recognizes the sly, cunning, and deceitful nature of what Herod and the Roman Empire stand for. He recognizes the face of danger and the vulnerable position he has put himself in. And Jesus could have used any symbol of maternal power he would have liked, and he chose a vulnerable and nurturing hen. Barbara Brown Taylor writes, This is the most vulnerable position in the world. Wings spread, breast exposed. 
but if you mean what you say, then this is how you stand. When you love someone enough, you are willing to put yourself between them and the things that stand to cause them harm. And if we go back to what Brueggemann said, that when we make space to be in relationship with God, we can see and hear things more clearly that threaten the people we love in this world. And when that happens, we have a choice. Do we ignore it? Or do we stand with our wings out offering protection and warmth and shelter? And Jesus' posture was not only for the chicks that would hopefully someday come home, but it was ultimately for the ones who would kill him and stone him. Taylor continues, she has no fangs, no claws, no rippling muscles. All she has is her willingness to shield her babies with her own body. If the fox wants them, he will have to kill her first. She knows her call and her mission just as Jesus knew his own. Lastly, we see that Jesus has the utmost confidence in the will of God. And there's this small Greek verb that's used in the text, and if you blink, you might just miss it. The word is day, and it's translated as must. Listen, I am casting out demons, performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next, I must be on my way. It behooves me. It is necessary. It is inevitable. It comes from the root word deo, which means to bind and to tie and to fasten. It is my responsibility. The covenant must be fulfilled through me and by me. All too often, we are facing our own Pharisees and foxes as we navigate competing worlds. The pressure of this world, our society, our culture to keep up run the race and win the race, make it to the top, succeed and then succeed again. It is loud and it is in your face and you slowly drift in and out between the realities and the narratives. Sometimes believing that if it's to be, it's up to me. Thinking that we can make certain all that is uncertain. Friends, we have been going it alone for the last two years maybe even thinking we are pretty good at it. We are used to doing it by ourselves and for ourselves. But I believe that remembering how to be a community will take time and requires us to open ourselves up again and that we can and will be challenged. But I think at the end of the day, it's a, a risk worth taking because I know that for me, being together, talking the talk, walking the same walk, remembering who I am in Christ as a child of God, I know I can't do that alone. In a podcast, author Kate Bowler says, because we claim that we are Christians and we claim God's covenant and Jesus' life and death and resurrection, we are stuck with this story that we are a part of this wonderful, horrible love story that we are wrapped into. I need people. 
I need people to hope for me and with me because I think that certainty is no longer wise. Jesus was always turned towards God, and Lent invites us to return as well, to return to the shelter and the warmth under Jesus's wings, to hear the voice of the beloved, to recognize it and to remember it, to nourish hope in the face of uncertainty. That voice that reminds us that God's will cannot and will not be thwarted and the voice that reminds us of the truth and the assurance of faith. And when we see yet again God's covenant promise fulfilled, Brueggemann writes, we are flooded with the gifts of neighborliness. The economy of the rich devouring the poor is now inappropriate. We are now flooded with peaceable possibility. The old lust for war and violence is now out of sync. We are flooded with fruitfulness, the technological destruction that seeks to sustain our unsustainable standard of living is now passe. And when to our surprise and amazement we are awakened to God's presence, we get to find freedom in the will of God, not in the ways of this world. We hear the mother hen once again beckoning us home and she will do so over and over and over again, and she will never stop. And that is surely the best news, that no matter how far we wander, how many tricks we fall for, how much hope we lose, there will always, always be room for all under God's wings. May it be so. Amen. Friends, as we rise to sing hymn 195, you will thank the choir for singing the first verse on their own. It's a new hymn, so they will be teaching us a little bit. Please rise and join us in song. Oh, 
You all may be seated and we'll continue in prayer. As I say, let us pray to the Lord. You all can refrain. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church throughout the world, that all who bear the name of Christ may find true repentance for their sins and walk in the ways of peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the nations of the world, especially the Ukraine and Afghanistan, wherever there is poverty, war, or oppression of human spirit, that all people may repent of the evil they do to one another, let us pray to the Lord. For the planet Earth, God's gift to humankind, that we repent of selfish or thoughtless exploitation, intend it with care, so that all may share justly in its bounty, let us pray to the Lord. For the leaders of the nations, that they may work for the common good of all people and repent of arrogance and hatred, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for our enemies, for our hard hearts and stubborn pride, for our strained relationships, and for the words we have used to hurt those we love, that we may learn to love them with regard for God's compassion, forgive wrongs, and seek reconciliation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for those who are sick or in trouble, for the defenseless, the weak, and the poor that they may find help in their time of need and that the church, this church, may heed their cry. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Loving God, draw us close to you and to one another as a hen to her chicks. Hear the prayers of your people for the sake of our world. With our prayers, accept the dedication of our lives, that we may minister to the world in the name of Jesus Christ, through whom we pray and whom taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Friends, in this Lenten season, we are called to turn back to God, to repent and to recommit ourselves to Christ and to the church. Let us now present our tithes and our offerings with gratitude and hope.
Please rise as we pray in dedication. Creator God, for all the wonderful gifts of life you provide, we are thankful. We offer these, our resources, to you this day, time, talent, and finances, but also seeking you in earnest, heeding your call, forsaking the worldly forces around us, and returning to our identity in you. May your grace and mercy be multiplied as we serve this world. Amen. Number 740.
friends, as we leave here this day, I offer you this blessing to carry with you through the Lenten season from Professor Carson Brisson. May joy and nothing less find you on the way. May you be blessed. Oh, may you be the blessing that you are being called into becoming. And may light, love's own crucified, risen light, guide you and me and countless others out of every darkness all the way home. You may say, and surely you will, by what, do, by what right do you speak to us of home in a homeless world? You are correct, I speak of home by no right, and that is entirely my responsibility. I speak of home only by witness, that having seen the Galilean crucified on a thousand hills, I bear witness that in this homeless world, those most home most seek those least home. Grace and peace, beloved. Grace and peace. Mm -hmm.